I'm going to turn your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. You can remain uh, seated if you would like. I had, as you, as you know, if you've been here, I've been preaching through this Old Testament, the Old Testament and hitting uh, major characters in the Old Testament. And I had planned already on preaching this message. It was already started. And then two weeks from now, I'm going to preach uh, kind of part two. This is Hannah that we're going to look at. And then Samuel the week after our back to school deal. And then lo and behold, at least three different speakers at Youth Congress used these stories as a major part of what they were doing. So this is what God is calling us to at this time. But 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 12, New Living Translation. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli, he's the high priest, he watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded, throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Just for a little while, I want to preach on this thought, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are with us here today. Thank you for the power of your spirit that we feel. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us today, that you would touch our hearts and lives change and transform us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So people don't know that you need something unless you ask. Have you ever been in a situation and you needed help with something and you wondered why people didn't help you? And then realized it could have been because you didn't ask anyone to help you. If you see people struggling through a parking lot carrying something, you can be like, man, they they might need help. But most of the time when people see something like that, they say that, yep, they look like they need some help. And then they just keep on going their merry way. How many of you have done that? I'm busy, i got other stuff to do. But had they said to you, hey, can you give me a hand, you probably would have stopped and you would have helped them. We don't always like to get help. There are certain things we don't mind asking for help about, but there is something that's built into our our psyche and the way in which we're wired. We want to be independent. We want to do everything for ourselves. I've talked about this before, but if you have kids or you've been around kids when they're little, you go to try to help them do something, they don't want you to help. They want to do it for themselves. Somewhere about 12 months of age, they began to not want your help. They, want to, they have this independent idea and they just want to do things on their own. And when we get older, we celebrate things such as, I'm a self-made man. It's a pride thing. And we can say, I did this by myself. Nobody helped me. And the reality is nobody ever does anything by themselves. 
If you're a great baseball player and you spend hours and hours, thousands of hours working on exercise and working on your gifting and working on all these things and go, I did this just because of my hard work. You didn't do it because of your hard work. You have any idea how hard it is to hit a major league slider or curveball? It's your DNA that enables you to do some of that. It's this hand-eye coordination. You can't just develop that. You were born with that. Your parents are responsible for you being able to do that. Did you put work in it? Absolutely. Did you help it along? Absolutely. I'm, I'm 6'2". Today, weigh 213 pounds. And I still can't jump. And no matter how hard I would have worked, I was never going to play in the NBA. Quickness is not in my genes. You may have heard of fast twitch muscle fiber and slow twitch muscle fiber. I don't even know if mine twitches. But regardless of what it is, we, we don't get what we need or what we think we've done. We don't get there by ourselves. But oftentimes we think we do and then we don't want to ask and people get upset. Well, didn't you see that I needed help? Well, I thought maybe you needed help, but if you would have asked me, I would have helped. If you, if I, if you would have just said something, then I would have jumped in. I learned this when I was raising money for the Bible college, and I've told you, I mentioned this recently, people did not give when they knew we had a need. People gave only when we asked. We could tell people, yeah, we need to raise $10,000 by next week. You know what they would say? Well, I sure hope you get that. Nobody said, well, here, let me give you $10,000. Nobody's even saying, let me give you a hundred. They're like, good luck with that. But when I would ask them and say, you know what, we need $10,000 by next week, can you give us $1,000? They'd be like, okay. They weren't offering it. They weren't going to do anything. But when I asked, it changed everything. Prayer is, in essence, asking God for what we need. It is us saying, God, this is what I need. And the deal is, God already knows what you need. God knows everything. He, and the theological term for that is omniscience. He has all knowledge. He knows everything. But He has determined that He answers prayer. He doesn't just give us what we need because He knows we need it. He has told us and commanded us and determined that we must ask in order to receive. That if we need something... We ask God and He responds to our request and then we know a couple of things. We then know that God is the source of the answer. That we know God is the source of what we need, that He has it because we have asked Him and He has moved and He has worked it out for us. And it's also that when we ask, it is symbolic and evident of us putting our trust in Him. I've used this illustration before. If you need a million dollars, you're probably not coming to ask me for a million dollars. If you come and ask me for a million dollars, you have not been very observant. Because if I had a million dollars, I'd drive better vehicles. 
Things would be different in my life. But you're not coming to me for a million dollars if you needed it because you don't think I have it. I wouldn't even be flattered. I'd be like, let's talk about your powers of observation. (laughs) But when we ask God, what we're saying is we know God can do this. We know God has the answer to this problem. We know God has the money that I need. We know God has the healing that I need. We know God has everything I need. And so I ask Him, and I'm putting my trust and my faith in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what prayer does. It's us asking God to meet a need He knows we already have. So how do we ask, and what does it take for us to, to get needs or prayer answered and does God answer prayer in essence and the answer to all of those we're going to look at the background of this story is that Elkanah has two wives I mentioned this in Sunday school he's a bigamist and that is was never and is not the plan of God but God in particular time periods would overlook that and Elkanah has two wives one is Hannah the other is Penina and Hannah is loved greatly by Elkanah but she is barren she cannot have any children and especially in that day and age if you didn't have children that was that was a very low situation nowadays people will get married and they don't plan on having kids and it's it's part of our culture things have changed but if you didn't have kids then you weren't continuing that legacy you weren't of any value and you weren't of any worth to your husband because the the process of procreation and having kids and having a legacy you couldn't help in that we see barrenness in the Bible in a variety of places in a variety of ways. And here's the deal. Every, I'm just going to tell you this. You go look it up. Every place in the Bible where someone is said to be barren, God's either going to heal that or God caused that. Every single place. This is one of those places where God is going to reverse the situation Hannah loved by her husband, but she couldn't have children. And Penina, the Bible says, all of her sons and daughters. It wasn't just two or three. She had a lot of kids. And because she had kids, she would look at Hannah and she would provoke her and she would make fun of her and go, you can't have any kids. You're of no worth to our husband. So Hannah finds herself in this situation and She begins to seek God. And from her prayer, I want to pull out four quick things for you about prayer. The first thing is this, is that if we want to see God answer prayer, we must pray passionately. Look at your neighbor and say, pray passionately. The Bible says in two verses before where I read that she was in deep anguish and crying bitterly as she prayed that She was engaged in the process. She wasn't just going, Lord, I would just like to have some kids. But she was passionately saying, God, give me kids. And she's weeping bitterly and she's crying and she's in anguish. She's tormented because she doesn't have kids. 
I would tell you, if you ask God, Lord, just would you uh, do something for me, and then you just go about your business, you're probably not that passionate about it. That if you don't care enough about it to get engaged in the process, then maybe God's not going to care enough about it to answer your prayer. Now, I'm not telling you you have to scream and shout and holler. I'm not going to tell you any of that. But if you don't have an investment in the process, if you don't have an investment say, God, I really need this. I really want you to do this. I want you to save my family. God, I want you to deliver this person. I want you to do what I need. If you don't get engaged in it and have some kind of investment in it, some kind of intensity in it, you're just going through the motions. Situation can determine your volume. Hannah was in a situation. She's in anguish, crying bitterly, but just mouthing the words. She's not screaming. She's not hollering. Eli can't even hear her. She's just moving her lips as she's praying in her heart, the Bible says. But she was passionate in her prayer. God, I really want this. God, I really need this. I need you to work in my situation. I've prayed a lot of prayers in my, in my life. Not enough, but a lot. And there are some things that I'll ask God for, and I have asked God for, and it's just, I'm just asking, because I know it's a good thing to do. But then there are other times when it's like, God, I need this. I can't make it tomorrow unless you work in this situation. I can't make it next week. I can't do this unless you intervene. And what I would tell you is when we get to that point, God begins to work. James would write of the prophet Elijah said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There was something passionate about Elijah did on Mount Carmel that he's just recording 39 words in, in the Bible of what he said, but there was a passion, there was a fervency in what he was doing. And what I would tell you is when you really need something and you really go after it, God will show up in your situation. The second thing I would tell you about answered prayer is that if we're going to see answered prayer, we must pray purposefully must pray with purpose. 1 Samuel 1, 11, Hannah made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord. His hair will never be cut. Second time we've seen this. We saw it with Samson. And we see it here with Samuel. It's a sign of his dedication. And I have dedicated him. But what she's doing is she's praying with specificity. And she's praying with purpose. She doesn't say, Lord, just give me a child. She says, Lord, give me a son. with purpose. She's not praying, Lord, take away Penina's children. She's not praying, Lord, make Penina be nice to me. 
She's saying, God, I want a son. God, I want you to give me a son, and if you do this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit him to you. I'm going to commit him to your service. I'm going to commit him to your kingdom. God, give me a son. Prayer is definitely part of our relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have to pray. It's part of it. Sometimes we can just pray to pray. We're not praying to grow closer to Him. We're not praying because we need something. We're just meandering through prayer. But we do not get credit for going through the motions. We don't grow when we just check off a box, yes, I prayed today. We only grow when we encounter Jesus, when we have an encounter with Him in prayer and He works in our lives and we begin to be changed and we begin to be transformed and we need that. But not all prayer is about growing. Some prayer is about, God, I have this need, I have this desire, I I need you to work in my situation. And when we do that, we must pray with purpose. I've got to hurry. I'll tell you this story, it's, it's... both good and humorous. Crystal and I were dating, and I had totaled my 92 Ford Thunderbird in Colorado. I was out in Colorado, totaled it. And so I started praying for a car. God, I need a car. I had quit my job. I felt God had told me to quit my job, and Make sure it's God if you quit your job, I'm saying. I'd quit my job and was doing outreach and God, I need a car. This is 1994-ish, late 93, early 94. I think it was February 94 when I told her the car, so this would have been the spring of 94. I said, God, I need a car. Now, Crystal and I were dating. They don't make cars like they used to. Back in the day, they had cars with bench seats where your honey love could slide over to you, you know. Must be getting old. I was like, all right, God, here's what I want. I want a car with a bench seat. God, I want a car with power windows, some power locks on this thing. God has a sense of humor. Her parents said, we've got this 1980 Caprice Classic. Said, I'm going to charge. He said, her dad said, I'll just give it to you for a dollar, so you only have to pay tax on a dollar. If I give it to you, it costs more in gift tax. I'm going to sell it to you for a dollar. Man, that's awesome. Inside, no headliner. Half the front grill is missing. Rust everywhere. I forgot to pray with enough purpose. I forgot one key ingredient in my prayer, and that was, God, I want a nice car. It had a bench seat, power windows, power locks. That was all it had going But that's everything I asked for. A few months later, I was back at work, and I've told this story. I'm driving to 
in Independence, Missouri. I'm driving to the uh, post office training center for being a window clerk with the postal service. Second or third day of class, the muffler falls and begins to drag behind the car. I look in my rearview mirror and I see people in the car behind me that are in the class with me. I've told this story recently. I get into the parking lot, and when I do, the muffler falls completely off, and I was like, man, I'm not parking anywhere near the door. I park as far away as I can, but when I got in there, they said, hey, I think your muffler fell off. And I, I forgot to ask God for a nice car. James would say it this way, we have not because we ask not. And then even when we get around to asking, we ask amiss, and we don't ask God for really what we need, and we don't ask Him for the right things. We, we're not praying according to His will, we're just praying according to our wish list, or what will make us look good, or feel good, instead of praying according to the will of God. And what I would tell you, we need to pray with purpose. That if you need something, say, God, this is what I need, and make sure that it lines up with His Word, and make sure it lines up with His will, and say, God, I... This is what I want, and with passion and with purpose, we pray. Thirdly, and I've got to hurry, we pray persistently. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli sees her, and the Bible says in the New American Standard that she continued praying. It wasn't just a little 30-second prayer, but she kept doing it. She kept praying. She kept seeking Him. The Bible would tell us that we are to seek and we will find. To knock and it shall be opened. Ask and we shall receive. And what that word, those verbs mean is this. Keep knocking. Don't just knock one time and say, God, this is what I want. But we keep knocking. God, this is what I need. This is what I want. We keep asking. God, this is what I need. God, will you answer me? God, will you help me? God, would you take care of this? It is a continual asking, a continual knocking, a continual seeking. There is a phrase that people use. It's, it's an acrostic that spells push. Pray until something happens. Don't just pray once and say, God, well, I hope God does it. We keep praying until something happens, until God intervenes and God steps in. Sometimes He will say no, but He always answers. God is not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us, but He will answer and Jesus himself would tell the parable of the unjust judge who because of the woman's persistence she kept coming God judge you need to you need to take care of this you need to take care of the people who've been bothering me take care of this situation and what Jesus would say is this the unjust judge did what she wanted because she kept persisting how much more will your father in heaven take care of you That Jesus said to persist. Don't just come and say, God, this is what I need. If that's all you do, I'm probably going to tell you you don't have a whole lot of passion about it. You don't really care about it. But when you keep coming every day, God, this is what I need. God, this is what I need you to do. I need you to save my family. God, help me to be a witness. God, help help me to do the right thing when I'm around them. And we keep knocking and seeking and we keep asking. And lastly... Pray expectantly. As the musicians and singers come, we are to pray expectantly. 
What that really means is this, that we're to pray in faith, believing that He is the God who answers prayer. That we are to pray believing that He will answer. That He will intervene. Where do I get that? It's verse 18 of our text. Hannah is praying with persistence and purpose and passion. But she has every bit of understanding and belief that God is the God who answers prayer. When Eli comes and he questions her and says, why did you, don't come here drunk, what are you thinking? She says, oh, I'm not drunk. You say, okay. This is what he says when she tells him what she's wanting. Eli tells her God's going to answer her prayer. And she believes that he's going to answer She's been fasting. She's been praying. But when Eli said, God has heard your prayer and he's going to answer, she didn't say, well, I need to keep praying a little longer. I'm not sure. She didn't say, I need to keep fasting a little longer about this situation. I'm not sure. But when he tells her, God's going to answer your prayer. New Living Translation is a little different than everything, but oh, thank you, sir. That she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. There was no sun coming the next day. It was going to be at least nine months. But she quit asking at that point because she believed the answer had already been given. She prayed believing He was the God who answers prayer. And when the answer was promised and the answer was prophesied, she said, I believe it. I'm not going to keep asking about this. I'm, going to, I'm not going to keep asking about this. I'm not going to be sad about this. I know the answer's on the way. And what I would tell you, when you, God answers your prayer, He tells you, this is what I'm going to do. If you really believe Him, then it's time to thank Him. It's time to celebrate. It's time to come and to rejoice and say, God is the God who answers. Would you stand together with me right now? How many of you believe He is the God who answers prayer? That prayer changes everything. God does not answer a prayer that is not prayed. He might work, but He only answers the prayers that you pray. And what I want you to do today is this. I want you to identify what you need God to do in your life. Make sure that it lines up with the Word of God. Make sure if you need a healing, the Bible says God is a healer. If you need salvation, He is a Savior. It is not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the Word tells us that if His people who are called by His name, if you need to be a person of His name, if you haven't experienced the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus, that's a step you need to take. But identify your need. Pray in alignment with the Word and the will of God. And expect God to answer as you pray passionately and with purpose and with persistence. If you need God to do anything, and I, when I say anything, you want God to do anything. It doesn't matter if I've mentioned it. It doesn't matter if you've ever prayed about it before. If it's backslidden children, if it's, if it's a new job, if it's whatever it is. If it's just direction, I'm inviting you to come right now. 
And would you lift your hand as you come around this altar and say, God, I believe you. God, this is what I need you to do. Today is the beginning of a new day as I'm taking my needs to you in prayer and I'm taking my needs to you persistently and with purpose and with passion. Lord, make us a house of prayer today. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God, we believe you today. We believe you today. We trust you today. Make me a house. Make us a house of prayer. Make me yes, a Lord. house of prayer. Hallelujah, Jesus.